judgment has set, the books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall weigh how shall we stand in that great day how shall we stand in that great day shall we be Welcome to the Escape for Thy Life radio broadcast. This is a presentation of the independent Thusia Seventh-day Adventist Church, a revival of original Adventism and ancient Christianity. Our speaker is Brother Nairon Medina. This is Brother Medina for Thusia Seventh-day Adventist, and please let us start with a word of prayer. Loving Father, please be with us as we enter into your word. Please help us to explain the truth and nothing but the truth. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Well, we are starting a new topic, and our topic is Temptations Arguments. Temptations Arguments. What we are discussing, we want to show you the arguments that temptations make to people to cause people to want to yield and to want to follow. So we are discussing the various uh, what we call hidden deceptions and allurements, the hidden philosophy behind temptation, that you may understand just what temptation says to a person's mind that causes them to want to follow it. Yes, my dear people. And we start off by looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, we are told we are to pray and ask God to not allow us to be caught up into temptation. Again, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, this is what we are told. I quote, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, so, we are, we are told to ask God to deliver us from temptation. In other words, we are, not, um, we are asking God not to allow us to be caught up in temptation. Now, why? Why do we pray for this? Because there are so many temptations out there, temptations shaped and formed by evil spirits to suit every age, every profession, and every single individual that exists upon the face of this earth. So part of our praying is that we be not led into temptation. Yes, my dear people. And furthermore, if we look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, we see again that Christ tells us that we are to watch spiritually and pray that we enter not or fall into temptation. In verse 41, here is what we are told. He says this, Watch and pray 
that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, my dear people. So, so again, what we are seeing here is that a person have to spiritually watch themselves and they have to pray to make sure that they do not enter into or fall into temptation. So many people have a problem here because they do not watch themselves. You see, after a while, you get to know yourself. You're supposed to know what things are your weaknesses. You're supposed to know generally what things affect your mind, affect your emotions, and causes you to want to yield. And, and after a while, you begin to watch spiritually yourself. And then you pray and ask God to keep you from entering or falling into temptation. This is exactly what we are told. But at last, many people do not have that kind of an understanding that there is supposed to be an intelligent, concerted effort on their part to make sure they do not fall into temptation or things that affect them terribly. But we need to have this kind of vigilance with regards to ourselves to watch lest we find ourselves falling into temptation. And furthermore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible clearly tells us that God does not allow us to be tempted above what we are able to bear. So whenever a temptation comes to a person, one good idea you must have in your mind, and that is that God allows this temptation to come to you because you are able to bear it, which means there are resources in you given by God, and actually an understanding given by God that gives you the capability of enduring or facing that temptation and coming out with victory. So you're not supposed to be afraid of the temptation as if it is something so powerful that you cannot handle it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, here is what we are told, I quote, There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able to bear. But will with the temptation make a way of a, to escape that you may be able to bear it. End of quote. Did you see that? So in other words, God takes that same temptation and makes a way out of that temptation for you that you are able to bear it. So the Christian has what we call great confidence in God that God helps him to deal with temptation. Yes, my dear people. But you see, the problem is many people who are tempted today do not recognize that they have this aid to help them. They figure because the flesh is weak, they must yield to temptation. But it doesn't have to be so. And then furthermore, this idea of the flesh being weak needs to be even investigated. You see, my dear people, we need to understand what temptation says to our minds. We need to understand what it tells us that causes us to want to go for the wrong. And this is what this study is all about. In this program, Escape for Thy Life, it is to show you how to handle temptation that you can escape it. Yes, my dear people. Furthermore, we are told we must all endure temptation when it comes. When a temptation comes to you, we are told you can't run away from it. 
You must endure temptation when it comes. In James chapter 1 and verse 12, here is what we are told. It says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. So already we see temptations tempt us not to love God, to love something else in place of God. And we are also seeing that temptation robs you of life, which is an experience of love. <clears throat> it makes you think that you are getting an experience of love. But in truth and in fact, you are not. It is robbing you. And so we see that uh, we all have to face temptation. When it comes to us, we cannot run away from it, but we can face it and gain the victory over it. The facts are that when we face temptation, we are supposed to become developed. Yes, my dear people. It is supposed to work for us to develop endurance in spiritual things and to remove the fickleness that most people have in spiritual things. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, we are told this very important fact. I quote James chapter 1 and verse 2. It says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And then verse 3 tells us this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then verse 4 tells us, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. End of quote. Did you see that, my dear people? So the point about it is this. In, in spiritual things, when it comes to religious things, many people are, are, are fickle. They hold on to something for a while and then they turn away from it. They are not truly converted to these things. They are not truly converted to God. They follow God sometimes. They are interested in the truth sometimes. Sometimes they want to... In fact, only when a real crisis comes is then a lot of people have find themselves just praying and praying and praying and figure that it is the amount of prayers that you say that God will hear you. This is a Roman Catholic teaching that by much prayer you are heard. But Christ says that is not so. <clears throat> the real issue here is this. Is that when a Christian faces temptation, he faces temptation with the faith of Jesus Christ. And as he faces that temptation and he learns to deal with the temptation spiritually, psychologically, and in his physical environment, he learns to handle the situation in his environment. He now becomes more mature and more settled in the spiritual values that he holds. He becomes settled in the truths of the Bible. And this settling makes him become more mature in the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. And so temptation faced the right way handle the way God wants us to handle it, makes the person become more mature and much more closer to God. Yes, my dear people. Now, if we turn to Second Peter, and we go to chapter 2, and we go to verse 9, we are told that God knows how to deliver his people 
out of temptations that overwhelm them. Sometimes the devil may come in as a storm. Temptations may come upon you as a storm. But God is able to raise up a standard against that temptation and to deliver you that you will not be swept away. Yes, my dear people. If we look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, here is what we are told. I quote, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished both ways. Yes, my dear people. So, in other words, he knows how to reserve the unjust to be punished for the day of judgment. But he also knows how to deliver the, those who are righteous out of temptation. Yes, my dear people. And this is the reason why when a person is not converted and temptation comes to them, they don't face the temptation right. They're not able to handle it. They're swept away in a moment. But when a person has Jesus Christ, the truths of Christ's character as a part of their knowledge value, which they believe and which they hold as a philosophy of life, when they have the knowledge of Christ in such a way, such a person is able to be delivered from temptation by God who knows how to handle these temptations. Yes, my dear people. Furthermore, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, Jesus himself was tempted and suffered in the circumstances of the temptation. Yet he did not sin. Yes, my dear people. So also he is able to help us in the circumstances of temptation that tempts us so that if we are caught in a circumstance and we are tempted. Here, Jesus is able to help us. Yes, my dear people. By this we know that Jesus is alive and he is in the heavenly temple and he is working out the salvation of his people upon the face of the earth. Part of his work is to help us how to face temptations just as he, when he was on earth, faced temptations and dealt with it by faith. Yes, my dear people. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, this is what we are told. I quote, For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And succor is to deliver and help them that are tempted. So in other words, Jesus himself suffered being tempted. His temptation was very painful and very terrible. It hurt him quite a lot, but he was able to endure it and to not sin while he faced this temptation. And this also is strengthened by Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Again, here is what we are told. I quote, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. End of quote. Did you see that? So even though Jesus was tempted just like we were, even though he faced such horrendous temptations, Jesus did not find himself yielding the temptation. He did not sin. And we are being told that we have the opportunity 
to have that victory just the way he had his victory. Yes, my dear people. Now, temptations that come to men come to men from different sources. In other words, when a person is tempted and temptation comes to you, it comes to you from different sources. Here are the facts. Point number one. We are tempted by the devil and his evil angels. Yes, my dear people, there are literally millions and millions of evil angels all around this earth with the head evil angel, Lucifer, or the devil himself. And they are constantly at people's lives, constantly interfering and tempting people to sin and to fall. Yes, my dear people, you ask yourself, why are they concerned in doing this? They want to get us to sin. And if they can get all the world to turn away from God, then Lucifer would, re, would, would what we call free himself from the terrible destruction that he and his evil angels are to face. So in other words, to preserve themselves from being destroyed in hellfires, they must prove before the universe that they can overcome every single Christian and get them to fall into sin and make them turn away from God, one way or the other. This is what they must prove. So, evil angels are fighting for their lives, and they dog people, they harass people, and they find a thousand ways to mislead and to deceive people, to cause people to fall into temptation. Yes, my dear people, this is a fact that is happening right around us. But it is just in the average world, the person doesn't see those things because they're not looking by faith, they're blind, and they do not have the revealed truths of the plan of salvation to color how they see things and to determine how they judge that they will see the truth because this brings out the real facts and the real truth around them. And so we are dogged by millions of evil angels. They are all around us and they tempt us. Secondly, we are tempted by other humans. Yes, my dear people, other human beings have their own particular values that they present to us. And when we are weak to those values, we fall into temptation. It's like a guy who is tempting somebody to take coke, a drug user, so that he will get the person's money as they buy the coke from when they become uh, addicted to it. The idea we have here is that a human being tempts another human being. And this is one of the problems we have today. Human beings tempt human beings. Yes, my dear people, this is the second, uh, what we call, source of temptation towards us. And third, the third source of temptation is our own minds. We are tempted by our own minds. But with such internal temptations, the person has sinned already. Yes, my dear people. Now, let's just look at this for a little while. If your mind remembers something wrong you used to do, if you remember that, as you remember it and you think about it, there is no sin in remembering it. But when you begin to feel the desires for that wrong and accept those desires in your mind, you have sinned already. But what do we have here? We have a person's own mind 
being the source of the temptation that they face. And this is the third source of temptations that we face. Yes, my dear people. So we are tempted by the devil and his angels. We are tempted by other humans. And we are tempted by our own minds. Yes, my dear people. Now, it is this internal temptation when you're tempted in, in your own mind. It is this internal temptation that James speaks about in James chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14. Here is what he tells us. I quote, Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. End of quote. Did you see that, my dear people? And so, human beings tempt their, their own selves. So, a person, the thought comes in the mind, the feelings begin to flow, and this attracts the person to make the person want to do the wrong. And so the person is drawn away by their own lust and enticed. So the point about it is this, is that this kind of internal temptation is one of the most difficult temptations to face because it is not a temptation from without, it is a temptation from within. But nevertheless, this internal temptation also is one of the things that we have to deal with. Yes, my dear people, now we need to ask ourselves the question, what is temptation? Yes, my dear people. And what we do, we look into these things and analyze these things to make sure we understand them perfectly or properly what they're all about. We ask ourselves the question, just what is temptation? To answer what is temptation, other important things have to be answered first. Other important things need to be considered. If you want to know just what is temptation, if you want to be able to describe temptation properly to help people see the wrong of it and turn away, you need to understand uh, certain important things first. Now, here is what we need to understand. First of all, we need to understand that there are only two entities in the whole universe, in God's whole universe. Put it this way, there are only two entities in the whole universe of God. There is God, the Creator, and there is creation created by God. Yes, my dear people, there is nothing else existing in the universe, only these two. God, the Creator, and creation created by God. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, here is what we are told, I quote, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Did you see that, my dear people? And verse 17 tells us, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist or held together. End of quote. Did you see that? This clearly shows us that there is the Creator, and there is everything else created by the Creator. So there are two separate entities in this universe. The Creator, and everything created by the Creator. Or the Creator, and the Created. So... God, who is creator, exists in this universe. 
and creation created by God also exists. Yes, my dear people. Now, with this thought in mind, we need to understand furthermore that God, that, that creation is to depend on God the Creator for all good things, not vice versa. Since there is God and creation, and God the Creator created creation, and these two entities exist in the universe, we recognize that God doesn't depend on us for anything. Yes, my dear people, God doesn't have to depend on us for anything. So, creation is to depend on God the Creator for all good things. That's the opposite way around. So once you have in a creation, once you have in God's universe, God on the one side and creation on the other side, of the two, you have creation depending upon God for all good things. Yes, my dear people. <clears throat> now, creation depends upon God for things like this, for life, for meaning and purpose, for pleasure, for satisfaction, for success, for sustenance, for security, for direction and guidance. These are the things that we need uh, God for. Let me repeat. We need God for life. We need God for meaning and purpose. We need God for pleasure. We need God for satisfaction. We need God for success. We need God for sustenance. We need God for security. We need God for direction and guidance. Yes, my dear people, in all these things, we need God. And so, while you have creation on one side and the creator on the other side, the creation needs God for all those good things that we just read. Yes, my dear people. And furthermore, the creator God advertises himself as the total answer to all men's needs. So it's not just a question of us needing God. It's a question of God himself advertising himself. He advertises himself as the total answer to all men's needs. If we look at James chapter 1 and verse 17, here is what we are told. I quote, it says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, what does this scripture show us? This scripture shows us every good thing comes from God. By this we are seeing that all that we need comes literally from God as the source. Yes, my dear people. So the point about it is this. The Creator God not only advertises Himself as the total answer to all men's needs, God calls upon men to depend on Him for all good things. Yes, my dear people, this is what God literally does. He calls upon men to depend upon Him for all good things. This is the reason why if we turn to Matthew chapter 6 and we look at verse 25 to 34 we will see that God 
actually wants man to call him. In verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, here is what we are told. I quote, it says this, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what shall we put on? Is not the life more than the meat, and the body, the, the raiment? Did you see that, my dear people? Then he goes on and shows us this. He says this, Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Of course we are. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his statue? Did you see that, my dear people? Which of us can add one cubit to our statue? Uh, statue? And then again, it continues. It says this, And why take ye thought of clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall, not, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father know it that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought of the morrow, for the morrow take thought of, of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. End of quote. Yes, my dear people. So what do we see here? In this, God is showing how he takes care of the birds, how <clears throat> he takes care of the flowers, the lilies of the field, and we are being told to trust God that he will take care of us. What does this mean? It clearly means that God calls upon us as creation to depend upon him, the creator. It's not optional. He actually tells us you must depend upon him. This is what God calls to tell us. But we will have to stop here now because we will continue this discussion in an, in our next study. But we want you to do very carefully that temptation has its arguments and you can answer the arguments of temptation. Well, call us at 6250446, 6250446, and we will give you further information. And may God bless you until we meet again in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Judgment has set, the books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall shall we stand in that great day? How shall we stand 
shall we be free?